National Leprechaun Museum of Ireland. Yeah. Hmm. Based around the movie series? <laughs> well, I just assume so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Warwick Davis gets half off. <laughs> <laughs> the entry fee, you know. Yeah, you have to be below this height to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I meant because he was the leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> I was really off about uh, this would have. Oh, I, <laughs> I did. <laughs> this would have been the, the episode we should have recorded the Irish horror, but I looked at the calendar all wrong apparently. So that's cool. <laughs> all right, it's it's a uh, Mothering Sunday in England. Oh, is it? Oh. What, what does that even mean? I'm unfamiliar. You send cars and flowers and. And Zoom calls to your to the woman who gave you birth, Mumsy. Yeah, Mother's Day. Yeah, all the mums are happy. Um, wow, guys, this is a. Uh, what about the snowpocalypse? Yeah, should we should we talk about how Wintry Three and St. Patrick's Day could have been all recorded today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we really should have picked Wintry. I, I, I can... have to watch that horrible thing, whatever it was I watched again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember the title. Have either I have either of you shoveled just to turn around and wonder why you bothered? Four times. Yeah? I don't have to shovel. Good. <laughs> I pay outrageous HOA fees. Good. <clears throat> I, I have uh, to uh, give the dogs a, a circuit and uh, clean off the TV dish. So. Oh, yeah. That that all makes sense. I got the initial round of the heavy wet snow shoveled, and uh, it looks to me like there's not going to be a lot of space left to put additional snow. But uh, I'm going to wait till this blowing wind stops, because it's stupid. Yeah. Stupid wind. It's fubuki. Snow up the butt, right? That's right. <laughs> it's gonna snow till Tuesday. <clears throat> no, it's supposed it's to. Supposed, it's supposed to taper off tonight. Yeah. Okay. At an inconvenient hour for anyone who wants to do anything about it. So there's. Oh, it's also uh, daylight savings today. So. Yeah. Speaking of inconvenient hours. Yeah, the, the hits just keep on coming, don't they? <laughs> well, shall we intro it and start talking about movies? Sure. All right. Uh, listeners, you're listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together virtually until safe to do otherwise and talk about a movie which we will spoil and recently watched, first of all, which we will try not to spoil. We're not professional critics. We don't claim to be. We're just three friends who talk about movies and 
We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you could buy it digitally. Say hello to them on Facebook, where they are, the Moon-Rays. That is housekeeping, as they say. Guys, we're having our, uh, our uh, one of probably three to five snowstorms remaining before we can start acting like it's spring, and then we'll get one more. Uh, what better time to talk about uh, some horror movies? Do you guys have some recently watched you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. Deep Space Nine? No, we're done with that. He's a Voyager. We're stuck now. on the terrible, terrible Voyager. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. We might not continue. Neither of us are paying any attention to it now. Yeah. Um, you know, I usually don't look at my phone if I'm watching television. I find that annoying. Right. Um, if I'm going to watch a movie, I should watch the movie. Um, yeah, I found myself on my phone last. Uh, we need something new Uh, The Expanse on the other hand has been great although I think we're done sadly I think we finished today I I think there's only four seasons I have to see Um, and then uh, I watched a movie this week on top of uh, The Devils I watched a movie with our our friend Jeremy Gardner in it oh yeah uh, sadistic Intentions, huh. which IMDb lists as 2018, but uh, Prime, I think, had, had 2020, and then the film itself, I think, said 2019, so who the hell knows. Uh, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> Jeremy Gardner's good in it, because he's a pretty decent actor, but it doesn't, it doesn't really do much. Um, he plays a musician who goes to his friend's house for band practice. Um, and his friend's not around. Um, and then a girl shows up who, um, his friend has called and has kind of coerced her into going in on an ounce of weed, which I learned weed is really expensive in Indiana uh, where the movie's set and uh, she doesn't really want to she doesn't have the money but he kind of cajoles her into driving out to his house where she's never been and and uh, you know buying this ounce of weed um, and so she goes out there and she meets uh, Stu Jeremy Gardner plays a guy named Stu uh, I don't know the actress's name. I have it here. Taylor Zodke, uh, who plays Chloe. Um, they never meet. Um, their friend Kevin, they can't find him. Um, he has a big house. His parents are evidently well-to-do. And uh, uh, things go from there. Um, they kind of, kind of a rom-com with a bit of, uh, horror added. Uh, it's not terribly funny. It's not terribly romantic, and it's not terribly horrible. Um, so it kind of misses on a lot of levels. Um, I. Uh, it turns out I, I'm not going to spoil it. Spoil it, but because this occurs fairly early in the movie, you can kind of figure it out. Uh, 
pretty easily, but Jeremy and his friend Kevin are actually planning to scare this girl. They, there's not really any agreement of what they were going to do, but uh, they were going to fuck with her mind is basically what Stu thinks, and then it goes from there. Hmm. Uh, there's another twist near the end, but it felt so kind of deflated by then. He didn't care. Um, yeah. Somebody gets killed with a pencil <laughs> in the ear. I don't know if that would work. I don't think a wooden pencil would be sharp enough. But it would really hurt at least, right? What? It would really hurt at least. Oh, it would hurt a lot. Yeah, it, it'd probably make you stop doing whatever you were doing. Yeah. And uh, pay attention to the pencil stuck in your ear. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people say, oh, you know, a twenty two is nothing. You know something? You get shot by any bullet. I'm pretty sure you're going to decide to stop like you said whatever you're doing and focus on the bullet hole <laughs> there was somebody at the uh, art store whose brother had been shot and he had asked his brother what was it like was it hot was it cold what was it and his brother said it felt like somebody was punching you like the moment of impact but it never stopped Ooh, that does not sound and, like uh, fun yeah. I asked my neighbor when he got shot, but he he got shot in the leg in Vietnam and he didn't really feel it, he said. Yeah, maybe if you go into I'm shock. I'm guessing the adrenaline was so much. He was, you know, going into shock. He didn't Yeah. really, it didn't register. But I think, uh, I don't remember where this guy's brother got shot in the arm, the, the shoulder gut i don't remember but i just remember him saying it's like being punched and the it never stopped Ooh. well that's that's a good uh psa for not getting shot yeah don't get shot yeah that's good advice for living <laughs> that wraps it up for me other than a bunch of nonsense on youtube oh yeah Julian, do you want to go next uh yeah uh returning to our our semi-regular feature, uh, the ironing movie of the week. Uh, <laughs> I had some ironing to do, so I watched uh, a Bruce Ploitation classic uh, called Bruce Lee in New Guinea. Oh, God. Wow. From 1977. Um, this is Bruce Lee L.I., yeah. uh, who's actually Ho Chung Tao. And uh, so in, in this one, um, uh, he goes to uh, Snake Worship Island, and he meets uh, various uh, native New Guinea people who are all played by Chinese fellas in uh, uh, native costumes. Mm. Uh, one of them is Bolo Young. Uh, you'll recognize from Enter the Dragon and so on. Um, so uh, there's uh, an athletic gorilla named Gorilla. Uh, Lee falls for a native. Uh, named Native. She's Princess Ungawa. Okay. Uh, played by an actress named Dana. Um, uh, Bruce Lee plays Wan Lee. And uh, uh, so, uh, Princess Ungawa, uh, she's uh, decked out in these jungle high heel boots. 
and uh, like leopard skin bikini, uh, as they you know as they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's there's comedy, there's snake foo, um, there's uh, music from Once Upon a Time in the West. <clears throat> uh, there's a snake thrown into a baby's mouth. Uh, there's death by snake pit. Snakes that say, I, I literally, <laughs> when they want to, the sound of the snakes in the snake pit, it's obviously just this guy going, Psss. Um, <laughs> there's uh, eye gouging, uh, there's mystic chastity potion. Um, this, this woman throws uh, this, this, you know, gives some potion to one Lee so that when he goes back to Hong Kong, anytime another girl tries to, uh, get it on with him he turns into this snake oh in her eyes um and the uh yeah there's, there's a really long fight with one of the uh one of the the villains but then the uh the, the last villain he has to fight is this big fat guaylo who uh so it's not much of a fight <laughs> unedifying but uh yeah it's, it's quite fun to watch while i while i got the old clothes flattened it sounds like it checks uh, all the boxes yeah. So, um, yeah, that was it. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, well, considering that, uh, we were braced for the weather to roll in a couple days ago and it took its time. Um, I managed to squeeze a couple movies in and, uh, some reading. It's not easy to, to do some reading unless you have some peace and quiet, at least for me. Uh, very dense, very academic first part of the book. You loaned me, uh, recreational terror and it is definitely just too academic to read it anywhere but in a complete soundproof chamber and uh and then read each sentence twice to say how you have to mentally digest Uh (laughs) this stuff it's like uh that's why my favorite professor used to say uh phd stands for piled hip deep uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I feel so sorry for those professors who have to mark all this stuff. Oh no, kidding! Like to have to write it is one thing, but they have to. Yeah, they have to mark stuff that's not even that well written. Yeah, but that book is great, especially. Yeah, that is excellent. Yeah, when it gets past the really academic stuff and gets into discussing films and how they're structured with all of these different uh, gimmicks and uh, psycho- psychology and uh, it's it's really cool, and I'm. I'm past the halfway point now. I've had your book for about a year. I thought, you know what? I could maybe finish this and give it back. Uh, then uh, for movie viewing, um, I had uh, I had felt like I wanted to watch 12 Monkeys because there was something that was said in a conversation that reminded me that sometimes early in the, in the uh, pandemic, I kind of felt like Bruce Willis's character... Uh, Mr. Cole, what was his, uh, what was his character? Uh, David? James. James Cole. Sometimes I felt like his character, you know, getting sent back into time to wearing this, all this gear, trying to find specimens of where the, uh, where the, their pandemic, their apocalypse started. I, sometimes I would feel like that character when I would just be going out to the grocery store. You know, when, when we were told that we had to wear gloves and masks and goggles and go home and wash all the groceries off. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about that, like, one year later. I'm going to watch 12 Monkeys. So I did. And it was awesome. I haven't watched it in probably two or three years. And it was it was great. Uh, this came out in 95, like the end of 1995. 
And they, uh, what I like about this is that it's a Terry Gilliam film. And Terry Gilliam was just such a perfectionist and so detail-oriented in the films that he made that you really want to just say, I'm, I'm looking at the background, I'm looking at the extras, I'm looking at everything, including what's front and center. And thinking about how many takes it probably took to get like uh, Brad Pitt's character to look as crazy as he looked and do the things he did, you know, especially in the uh, mental hospital. <laughs> and just really take it all in. And Madeline Stowe is brilliant. Christopher Plummer's brilliant. The whole cast is terrific. Frank Gorshin is in this thing. Uh, it's, it's such a feast. And I, I loved watching it again. And then uh, I stumbled upon something while, um, while uh, digging through uh, Amazon Prime video. And here's one that could have been on our Wintry 3 list. Ghost Keeper. Oh, yeah. Now, this one, I think it suffers from bad transfers poor preservation and maybe this is pan and scan uh when the camera should be sweeping across the you know the pine forests or the mountains that this was filmed in banff canada which is notoriously a beautiful place it's just the the motion of the camera is just stuttery as it's supposed to be panning and that makes me think uh yeah they probably tried to make this a television edit and it was in you know, like panoramic format and they needed to squeeze it down to the three, four format or whatever. And, uh, some of the stuff, I mean, it's, it's full of a lot of hairs and scratches and, and then the, the jittery motion of the panning of the camera. It, I gotta say it, there's hopefully a better version of it out there. Uh, it's not a great movie, but it, it definitely puts you into the uh, situation of, a couple of smart asses or, uh, well, three smart asses who, who know better are out snowmobiling. They don't listen to the Harbinger of Doom at the, uh, at the grocery store trading post place who warns them about the weather. Nope, they know better, which it's stunning. They're not Americans. They're actually Canadian, but I feel like they're playing Americans. And uh, they just head off up the mountain further and further. And the snow rolling in is going to bury their tracks. They're not going to necessarily know how to get back. And they stumble upon this very intact, very large lodge. And they let themselves in because uh, one of the, the friend that joined them, the, the blonde woman, has uh, dumped over her snowmobile and it won't start. And then the couple that's riding together in the other snowmobile is like, okay, well, I guess uh, let's all head in there and see what's up. And the place seems to be abandoned. Later, it turns out there's a woman who's sort of the caretaker, but certainly kind of grouchy if not crazy and shows them to some rooms and then uh sinister stuff starts to ensue and there's a lot of snow coming down kind of feels like what's going on here right now um no spoilers but there's supposed to be some sort of a wendigo character perhaps and uh other people perhaps in this place you could tell they were trying to sort of cash in on the vibe of the shining uh, this one was made in 1980. Um, they filmed it late 1980, so they were certainly thinking about The Shining, you can kind of tell. So, that one... Uh, hey guys, I found a Wintry 3 movie for next year! Uh, yeah, I, I, 
that was one of my wintry three picks a few years ago. Oh, was it? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I guess I didn't watch it, therefore don't remember it, but um, God, we could almost pull one over on our listeners and do it again. <laughs> the best of the wintry three. Okay. <laughs> or the worst. Uh, let's see. Search Party. This was a, I don't know what you call it, screwball comedy. I really enjoyed the series Silicon Valley, and this has two of the actors, T.J. Miller and Thomas Middleditch. It also has uh, Adam Pally, Alison Brie, Shannon Woodward, Kristen Ritter. Uh, it's really, uh, um, who am I forgetting? Uh, Jason Manzukas is really funny, but he's got a very small part in this, as does Kristen Ritter. Uh, this is about a guy who uh, his loser friends um, screw up his wedding, and his bride pretty much feels like... Uh, They've stopped the wedding and screwed it up, so she's just done. She heads off to the honeymoon by herself. Thomas Middleditch is uh, the would-be groom who uh, tries to head down after her in Mexico and runs into some trouble. He gets carjacked. They take his car and his clothes, and so he's naked in Mexico and doesn't know where he is. So he calls his loser friends to try and save him, and of course they screw that up in every which possible way. And it, it really reaches for all the goofy stuff it does. So that one, I recommend it if you're in the mood for that kind of a comedy. I watched a Gaspar Noe film um, called Climax from 2018. Oh, yeah, with the dancing. Yeah, yeah, that one just kind of takes... The the intro of this thing is the craziest long oneer that just goes on and on, but these dancers are insanely good and and bizarre. Uh the, the, the basic focus of this movie is what if you put a bunch of people in an abandoned school and then drugged them and they were all dancers. So uh, kind of like if uh, everyone in Suspiria was tripping out. <laughs> but no witches. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it. To, I already said the one important plot point that's in the description, that they get drugged. And uh, yeah, they, they, they go from... Uh, freaked out to kind of violent to hopeless and yeah a lot of stuff happens and then the 1976 king kong if you don't know this one uh go watch it i don't <laughs> want to say too much about it because we've already gone on long enough with uh, recently watched uh it should be out on blu-ray here this year yeah I, I think you said something about that recently and it just put it in my head that uh man jeff bridges and jessica lang and uh charles Gordon. Yeah, yeah, it's a great King Kong movie. Uh, it it has a lot of bad stuff about it, but um, but it's also awesome at the same time. Very yeah, and uh, trigger warning: the climax is on the World Trade Center. Uh, yeah, there is that. Um, do you remember the poster? Well, of course you oh, do. Yeah. He's standing yeah. with a foot on each building. Uh huh. Holding a jet. I just yeah. got some feedback. Uh, no, that was yeah. It was weird. No, that was this computer. Oh. Yeah. Every time someone texts, it's going to do that. Let me see if I can shut that off. So King Kong had a foot on each on each of the two buildings. Yes, and, and a jet in his right hand. Yeah. And um, and a woman in his other hand. smoking a cigarette, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he has John Travolta's hairdo. Wow. The 70s were awesome. Yeah, the 70s were something. Um, yeah, but that, that, 
poster, they did so many different versions of it. Like they used the same gorilla, but they put him in like, uh, here he is, uh, right, right. ripping through the wall in the jungle here. He is yeah. do- doing this. Yeah. There's one of him in the harbor as well. Yeah. There's all kinds of crazy stuff, but yeah, Will, you want to talk about the devils, don't you? Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jolien, you picked this one. Uh-huh. And, uh, this, this was a, a bit of history as well as, um, sort of a contemporary horror movie. This, this was based on a true story of sorts, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yes. th- so you picked this one because of, uh, the fact that it's finally available. And you can you can find uh, longer versions online, but uh, this is you know this is the only officially available one I see in this country. Uh, it came, the director's cut came out in the UK, uh, but it's, uh, Warner Brothers is for some reason they don't want to release this, don't want to clean it up and put out an uncut version. Right. Yeah, I gotta wonder. You know, like what are the what are the things that uh, that they removed? You know, is it more uh, torture? The, the one that's on Shutter is about five minutes short of the uh, full version. Oh, um, so it misses out. There's a scene where the uh, just after the um, is it Father Barry? Uh, he's out in the forest with the nuns, and he he All basically. Right. Uh, so he's out in the forest with the nuns and, the, and he, he uh, basically gets them all to cut loose and uh, and then it and then it cuts back to them being inside the the uh, convent for about a second and a half but then that scene cuts to another one but in the the full version that when the nuns go wild they have uh, they basically uh, ravish the statue of Christ mm. uh, so that's one of the uh, one of the scenes that that is missing from this shadow version. Yeah, that that wouldn't be as shocking today, considering some of the things that we've seen since. But uh, yeah, if you're um, if you're doing things that desecrate uh, religious iconography, I guess uh, yeah, there's plenty of people ready to be very upset about that, especially in 1971. This was a crazy time in cinema, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's lots of like art house directors just pushing things as far as they could go, and you had Salo and stuff like that coming out. But even the mainstream Hammer stuff and and Amicus, you know, there this was like a lesbian vampires gone wild for about two three years, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is a great time in cinema. Uh, <laughs> people just <laughs> people just were ready to spend their money and sit down and have some popcorn. Yeah. Shock me. Yes. Yeah, do your worst, dear director. <laughs> uh, Will, had you seen this before? No. How'd you take it? What'd you think? No, this is uh, this is one that I had not seen because it wasn't widely available. It was pretty much the only Ken Russell film I could ever get my hands on was Lair of the White Worm. Yeah, what about um, um, Altered... Tommy's comes up on tv yeah altered states was no, him wasn't I, it what what wasn't altered it? states yeah i saw altered states uh in high school so yeah yeah that would have been another one that i did get i never saw tommy um but uh 
kind of a notorious director. Like, yeah. <laughs> not one that I'd ever I could ever see a lot of work about. So um, this film was kind of it had the reputation that you know they a Halloween had when I was a little kid with the reputation when I probably when I got into college that I you know heard about this film. Um, so I'm not sure that it really lived up to the hype that I had built up in my mind. You know, because you think, wow, this movie is that controversial that Italy wanted to arrest the the actors if they set foot in yeah, the movie. Right. Uh, you know, um, and Lair of the White Worm and Altered States are pretty out there movies. So, yeah. You know, um, I was a little, I was not bored, but it wasn't really connecting with me until maybe the sort of rock and roll exorcist showed up and the trial started. Yeah. Everybody started chewing the scenery. Oh, yes. Uh, and it was wonderful. Yeah. Oliver Reed cranked it not to 11, <laughs> maybe 12 or 13. Yeah. He was fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And even though I'm so-so in the story, I thought it looked neat, and I thought Oliver Reed was, his performance was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he... And pretty much made the movie. Yeah, he pulled no punches with this one. Um, Yeah. I have to say one thing real quick, like, wondering if uh, the director, uh, uh, Ken Russell, had some religious score to settle because this is not the first well this is this is not the last time he did something where say crucifixes were uh desecrated or religious iconography was was uh uh handled in a really strange way because we see that in both of the movies we just mentioned altered states and uh lair of the white worm we see all kinds of crazy stuff that has to do with religious stuff so i look to see did, was he beaten by nuns in a Catholic school? What happened? And what I found, and I'll read this to you, um, he was the old, uh, the elder of two sons uh, of Ethel and Henry Russell. He owned a shoe shop, and he was distant and took his rage out on his family. So he spent much of his time at the cinema with his mother, who was mentally ill. <laughs> so um, I don't know what that did to him, but uh, he... Yeah, he, he did stuff, uh, he did a stint in the military, and he worked as a photographer, but then he started making documentaries and then feature films. Uh, yeah, something really uh, something really snapped in him somewhere along the way, because this is bananas. And then Oliver Reed, I already knew like he had a reputation for being quite the alcoholic, but uh, I think it was uh, Christopher Lee said that after about eight drinks, he turned into a total monster was just hard to be around. Yeah, that's not what you want. So, yeah, that that scar on his by his mouth is from a fight with yeah, someone got him in the face with some broken glass. I was going to ask you if you knew because you it was hard to miss in this movie. Yeah, he, he yeah. did it. He did an autobiography called Read All About Me, <laughs> which is fun, you know, it's where where you learn tidbits like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah I wondered what happened to his face. He also had a big scar under his nose. 
Yes, I think it was a broken uh, beer glass or bottle and someone Ooh. smashed it in his face. Right across the face, yeah. Uh, he had something else, I don't remember, on his shoulder or something. There was another scar that was clearly real and yeah. not uh, a, you know, added appliance or something. Now, do you guys remember the... Um, because his hair and his... The hair on his head and, and his facial hair in this movie... Uh, he looked like one of our customers from the art supply store. Do you remember that cool teacher that used to come in? No. Okay. Uh, maybe you didn't help him as much as I did, but uh, we had like the, you know how, how there's high school teachers and there's the young cool ones that all you can tell all the students like him and want to be mm-hmm. want to be his buddy and they don't act up in his class because he's so cool. Yeah, uh, he looked just like this cool teacher that used to come in. And, uh, yeah, there was something really hip and, and, uh, not very, uh, priest-like about his character. (laughs) Especially the part where he's having sex with all the nuns and whatnot. But he's, uh, he's based on, you know, this is based on an actual event. So he's, he's, uh, Aubain Grandier and he was this, uh, parish priest near Loudon. Um, and this is uh, so we're, we're in 1634 when the film takes place um, and uh, the uh, Cardinal Richelieu wants to consolidate power in France and um, he wants uh, towns that have walls around them which are acting like private states um, he wants to knock the walls down and bring them all under his power and make everyone Catholic. And uh, the the king isn't, I think it's Louis XIV, he's not that keen on it. He's not that keen on anything apart from his own pleasure. Um, so uh, they, they've got this parish priest who's uh, handsome and, and popular and a good orator. And uh, so he's, he's, he's sleeping with a lot of local women and uh, it, which causes much jealousy from the local monks and uh, uh, other fathers of uh, straying daughters. And uh, so this uh, plot against him comes together and they, they use the excuse of um, possession uh, to, uh, to get rid of him. So uh, they uh, get the... Uh, the um, uh, sister of the local convent uh in in the in the novel at least um she uh really lusts after him and uh when uh he doesn't come to her uh she gets really angry at him and and wants to take revenge and they use her to uh infect the nunnery with the the idea that they're being possessed by his his spirit and uh then he can be brought up in front of a trial and uh, tortured and executed. Yeah, so Huxley wrote uh, a novel about this. Yeah, so it's, so it's a 1952 novel, and then mm-hmm. there's a John Whiting play in 1961. Yeah. So so this was Which, de- definitely... And the play starred as, uh, um, as Urban Grandier. Uh, the star was Richard Johnson, who uh, went on to play... Uh, the Doctor in Zombie 2. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
so so this was this was kind of in in everyone's mind as of recent when this was made like it wasn't that long before you know that people would be familiar with the material on some level yeah the, the play was still being produced in, into the 70s at least yeah. so now was oliver reed that big of a deal at this time he, he was oh, yeah, pretty very well known in britain yeah i mean he he had several movies already under his belt at this point yeah uh, he'd done um several hammer films um he was in the the two faces of dr jekyll and curse the werewolf was a biggie yeah uh i think that was his first starring role uh he was in paranoiac um and he was in the shattered room which is kind of lovecraftian film it's not not a hammer um yeah, so uh, yeah, he'd done several horror movies before this. Yeah, I, when I think of Oliver Reed, I always think of him as the werewolf in Curse of the Werewolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as one of the best-looking werewolves out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As a kid, that was one of my favorite ones that we would never really get to see the movie all that often, but you'd see the still photos all the time in the magazines. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so this one, uh, it's kind of interesting that uh it, it it originally received an x rating in the uk and the united states and uh several countries banned the movie yeah but then it uh won awards for um uh, best director at venice film festival and uh the u.s national board of review also gave it awards so i guess uh the things that did wrong were also the things that did right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes that's what the, what a movie does. Yeah, this is the same year he directed uh, The Boyfriend. Um, so uh, Don't know that one. Yeah, so he, he, he got the director's award for Do The Boyfriend and Devils. Uh, the Boyfriend wow. stars Twiggy. Oh, wow. Okay. Very contemporary at the time. Briefly. Um, she she appears in the devils apparently in the yeah. crowd scene but, oh yeah just for fun that looked like they spent a lot of money on those sets pull, oh yeah pulling those walls yeah, down that's all... amazing yeah yeah production designer was Derek Jarman who went on to become a director himself yeah okay. yeah they they were something out yeah, yeah the, it, lots of verticals it's kind of interesting, though. You get these movies where, uh, you know, the witch finder types roll in and start doing their thing. You know, whether, you know, whether it's the Inquisition or the witch finders or what have you. Man, as soon as those guys roll in, it's like you really see that a fair trial is not going to happen. They're just like, we're here to burn you at the stake. Yeah. No matter what. That's, you- how, they made, that's how they made their money. Yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if they didn't find any witches, they wouldn't like make money yeah so, there's going to be witches yeah yeah you're getting you're getting paid per witch so you're going to find all the witches yeah i was impressed with uh you know the the, the costuming the just the sheer scale of of the sets mm-hmm. and the apparatus to pull them down i mean they could have just had a bunch of guys yanking on ropes with hooks on the end but now they you know they, they uh had to fill that twice <laughs> destroy the walls really because uh yeah the charge went off at the wrong time oh no and the cameras weren't rolling yeah, <laughs> yeah. lens cap uh, was on K- 
Ken Russell was taking the blame himself, but uh, there's also a technician who, who thought he'd set it off at the wrong time. He got the wrong wrong signal. Oh no! But, uh, Ken, well, Ken Russell, at the end, it looks like uh, it was too soon. Like everybody's crowded around, and then this yeah. charge goes off, this giant explosion, and they cut pretty soon right after that to something else blowing up, but. You see the crowd, and I don't think those people were prepared for that explosion to go off right then, that close. Yeah. He's lucky he didn't kill a bunch of people. <laughs> he had John Landis. Yeah, no kidding. The, the Twilight Zone movie, that was... Yeah, that's one of those tragedies. I don't know if there's a lot of those in history, considering how dangerous movie making can be. Uh, yeah, some of the biblical movies in the 20s, they kill people. Oh yeah, yeah. The, li- like, the lions got a- loose and ate some Christians for real. No, it was uh, I forget which one it was, but they it was uh, some biblical movie where they they there was going to be a flood, uh, which took out a, a city. Uh, so uh, they they just filled this big set with extras, and then they had these huge walls with the reservoir behind it, and they just let it rip, and uh, yeah, drowned a few people. Jeez. Hope it was and worth some it. People were killed uh, in the chariot race, and, and the right. silent version of Ben Hur. Right. Damn. Yeah, a lot of that stuff you, you it just had to be filmed in real time with actual dangerous stuff like chariots pulled by horses. Yeah. <laughs> or God knows how many horses they got through. Oh God, yeah, they would. Yeah, you don't want to know. They would trip horses with wires just to get them to go down like they'd been shot. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the cruelty to animals or the disregard for animal life was uh, pretty bad for quite a while in cinematic history. But, uh, well, at least we have... Uh, now it's all CGI deer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it's all ones and zeros now. <laughs> But yeah, they can make stuff look really good. So it, it's so like, I, I just can't, uh, I can't wrap my brain around the times where it looks so bad. It's, it, there's apparently varying degrees of quality you pay for. It's like, uh, yeah, you get what you pay for. Yep. The, the sci-fi channel version, you know, level of quality or the, you know, the Jurassic Park level of quality. So anyway, um, yeah, this uh, this one uh, set off quite the uh, quite the religious fervor. Uh, a lot of a lot of people were very upset by this, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think I, I don't want to interrupt, but I think ahead. we're overlooking a really important scene that needs to be discussed when Oliver Reed uh, sword fights with an alligator. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That's when I turned to Eugenia and said, this is a silly movie. (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of silly (laughs) all the way through, uh, at the same time being really awful at the end. Yeah. Um, His torture scene was pretty bad. It was. Uh, And it looked like they shaved his head for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely shaved his head and mustache for real. Yeah, it's like, make sure you that got all the after takes. After always gets props for that. At least they did back then. 
Do you, remember, sure. do you remember the big deal they made about it in that one Star Trek movie when the woman had her head shaved for the movie? Yeah. Persis Kambata. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh, like it'll never grow back. <laughs> the way everyone was acting back then. Can you believe that actress did this for the movie? Yeah. It's, it's it'll never grow back and she can never wear a wig. Right, yeah. In her contract. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, this one was bananas. Um, uh, Vanessa Redgrave was uh, in this. Now, yeah, Sister Jean. Yeah. So what was she, like, I, I'm kind of curious, before this, I want to look at... She was in uh, Blow Up in oh, 66, yeah. Antonio. Yeah. And the, the, she was in a jello called uh, A Quiet Place in the Country. Yeah. It's a, it's a very trippy one. Uh, but she, yeah, she was she was one of the uh, actors who, who are known for a lot of stage work and uh, you know Shakespeare and so on. Um, yeah, she's she's done tons. Yeah, Blow Up was uh, the movie that made so many young guys decide to become photographers because they thought <laughs> they were going to have that uh, sexy hip lifestyle where the women are all throwing themselves at them. Oh, so yes, I'm sure camera sales went way up after that movie. Yeah, that one was kind of a big deal at the time, too. Oh, yeah. And it's a good movie, as I remember. Uh, oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good movie. Yeah. It's been a, a handful of years since I've seen it, but... Uh, we we went to a, a retro mod kind of furniture show, and there was a guy who had uh, giant, giant posters. Uh, I mean, these things were... Uh, eight ten feet tall i don't remember they were big i don't know quite what they would do where they would have been displayed but he uh they were beautifully restored and everything but he had a giant poster blow up and oh we really debated it (laughs) buy that it'd cover a whole wall max out your credit card three hundred dollar poster or whatever (laughs) right so they were originals Uh uh-huh Oh wow, yeah, that sounds like yeah, they were like the side of a building, kind of a set. yeah, it was huge. It was like the it would cover like the side of the building. I don't he explained them, but I don't remember what the deal was with them. But he uh, they were pretty ratty when he would get them, and he'd restore them. Yeah, back them like with linen, up all the edges, and you know, patch up the paint. He did beautiful work. Yeah. You you wouldn't be able to tell that it had ever been touched uh, and restored. I mean, unless you, I suppose if you flipped it over, there might be patchwork and whatnot, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic poster, <laughs> which I bought. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You look back uh, at uh, some of these pictures of uh, when movies would premiere, like they would bring in the like the the prop king kong head you know and uh they would do these uh these huge billboards on the sides of the theaters and on the above the marquees they would put props or giant posters and you know whenever it was something they were really banking on getting the crowds in there they they weren't messing around they you know it's like oh humphrey bogart's head needs to be 30 feet tall (laughs) we'll get him in here (laughs) so yeah that that time has passed now they just say, oh, go see it or don't, you know. Now there's no theaters. So. Oh, yeah, at the moment, sure. But it'll, it'll come back around. Or will it? You think, you think it's done? Will it? I don't know. People done with the theater. 
They learned they didn't need it. All you need is your grocery store. You really store. don't. You watch it at home. Everybody has a giant TV now, so. Yeah. Yeah, we. They'll, you know, sit and watch it on their phone, of course, but. Yeah, we're at the precipice here at the, about this whole thing. Um, yeah, I got to wonder, like, back to the movie, like, what kind of, uh, what kind of distribution this thing got, you know, internationally, because it, it, it had to been to cause as much controversy as it did and get edited or, or banned <laughs> as much as it did, because Warner Brothers was behind it. Yeah, it was hurt in America because the X certificate. Yeah. So you couldn't advertise it in papers. Right. And people were going to regard it as probably a porno. Mm -hmm. So everyone who does that and goes uh, to it is going to be disappointed. I was reading uh, contemporary reviews and and, uh, the word pornographic comes up. Yeah. Because, you know, this this was very shocking back then. Yeah, for a mainstream movie. But if you went to it thinking it was a pornographic movie... No, <laughs> it's not going to be, th- be disappointed. Yeah. So it's going to disappoint all kinds of people. If you do that. Yeah. The sexual assault of the crucifix that could not have been, uh, you know, naked nuns, you know, getting it on with the crucifix that, that could not have been, uh, like, except for Haxon, maybe. Uh, yeah. Haxon was the first, uh, was the earliest example of nunsploitation. Right. Um, yeah, that, that wasn't really a thing until The Devils. Uh, you had the uh, women in prison movies have been around since the 30s. Yeah. Uh, but they were big in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and then and then nunsploitation kind of ran alongside that. And you also had the Witchfinder movies, which started in the late 60s. So Witchfinder General and Mark of the Devil and so on. Um but uh, yeah, this, uh, the devil was really uh, really gave a boost to the nunsploitation genre. Oh yeah, I mean, if you if you wanted to find um, crucifixes being used in sexual ways, the internet would probably yield an incredible amount of images. Oh, but... if you want a crucifix being abused, there's The Exorcist. Well, sure. Uh, that's much more explicit than anything in The Devils. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, in The Devils, you have uh, naked breasts and. Lots of writhing around. Yeah. But in terms of what you actually see, it's not that full on. I mean, even the torture scenes, it's mostly reaction shots. Yeah. 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 And it's not like, it's not like the full on, like Mark of the Devil or something like that, where where it's all built around seeing actual torture, uh, you know, well faked, but actually seeing the uh, wounding of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've got one of the uh, reviews. This one's by Robin Wood, who was one of the uh, he was the editor of Planks of Reason and so on. Um, so uh, uh, his films offer endless titillation without ever becoming dangerously disturbing or genuinely subversive. Uh, spurious but plausible artistic or intellectual pretext constitute a sort of cultural pornography, both degraded and degrading. Hmm. And other other critics say things like, uh, "Is they're meretricious, but they're Russell's idea of art." Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, they, they don't they don't see them as having any substance. But sometimes it takes a few decades for people to to see things differently. 
and some of those critics. I'm are, not sure that they're entirely wrong. Right. I, I was going to ask if you agreed with that. Uh, I mean, although I enjoyed Russell's performance a lot, or I mean, uh, Reed's performance a whole lot. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that uh, that it really had a whole lot to say. Yeah. It had a lot um, to show. It looked fantastic. It was bananas at times. Um, the acting was really good. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad film, but I don't think it was really saying anything. I'm not sure that it was. If I'd classify it as art, if you wanted to say it was, you know, a real arty film, I mean, it's... To, to use someone modern, uh, who I also really, really like, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino. I don't think his films are real, really art. They're like really, really well done pulp. Yeah, there's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, spectacle. I love pulp. Yeah. Um, you know, I love a good crime movie, and Tarantino does a movie better than just about anyone. I'm not really sure they're art. I'm not sure that Quentin Tarantino would even agree that they were art whatever you want to classify art is you know real fancy term for a really good movie i don't know um but yeah i don't, I don't know if the devil's really said in said much yeah yeah that's a good point it had a lot to it had a lot to show you but not maybe a lot to tell you that's a good it's point very strong on imagery and and the use of sound yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's not. It's not deep. It's like uh, with these, all this uh, chicanery and and hysteria. I mean, the film is built about um, creating a sense of hysteria, and the the filming making itself is just you know lots of whirling and uh, yeah la- layers of sound and so on. You get this feeling of chaos. Definitely. Um, so it just kind of a. Uh, using tricks out of Orson Welles's book and so on. And, um, yeah, but not, you know, is that, that's all it's saying, really. Yeah, it did it well. I mean, uh, like like the torture scene we mentioned, you don't actually see anything, but, ooh, it feels like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all they show you is his legs between some boards, and you yeah. know enough what's going to happen. Yeah, it's the boot. Yeah, uh, they show those wedges. And it, then sticking stuff in his tongue. You do see that. That was pretty bad. And one, yeah. of, the, one of the most horrifying bowl cuts in a movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, I, think, the, I think the goriest bit is where uh, Sister Jean cuts her own hand with a crucifix. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, that was a pretty gross close-up. Yeah, that one dude's hairdo, well, that was pretty gross. <laughs> It looks so weird. It's like, dude, look around. You're the only one with that haircut. Maybe you should think it through. But yeah, the guy with the John Lennon glasses. I I wasn't sure. uh, Yes, uh, Michael Gothard. Yeah. What was? Yeah, he he was in Scream and Scream again. Um, He was in uh, both Musketeers movies with Oliver Reed. Oh, okay. Ah. And he was in. uh, He was one of the bad guys in uh, For Your Eyes Only. That's where I remember him from, probably. He looked yeah. familiar. And then the guy playing the Baron, uh, Dudley Sutton, he's in, he's in a lot of British TV in the 70s. He's always a creepy villain. 
<laughs> he's just born to play those horrible people. Yeah. He gets he gets one of the best lines in The Devils actually where he says uh hell will hold no surprises for you. <laughs> yeah. That's a good According one. to the trivia on IMDb, they wanted Spike Mulligan for that part. Or Spike Mulligan, yeah. But he couldn't uh like didn't think he could hold it straight mm-hmm. play it straight enough. Yeah. No, I read so, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I read that there was another film based on the on these events, uh, a Polish film from 1961, yes. Um, yes. Mother Joan and the of the Angels. Um, have you seen that one, Julian? I have not. Uh, I should check it out to continue my exploration of non-exploitation. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've not seen that one. And uh, there was an opera as well. Uh, Christoph Penderecki did an opera of it in the late 60s. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mother Joan of the Angels. Yeah, based on the same case. Now, the, now this movie. Uh, in in recent history, we were talking about some witch movies and whether there are any actual witches in the witch movies. You know th- that doesn't necessarily make them not a witch movie. But uh, I, I started thinking about the Crucible recently. You know, over the last couple few months, while we talked about some other movies, and. Uh, I kind of felt like I want to see that one again. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched it recently, but uh, that covers some of the Salem witch trial stuff. And uh, I don't know if anybody suddenly levitates and throws balls of fire. I'm pretty sure they don't. No, <laughs> you know, no not in the crucible. No, yeah. I don't think they turn anyone into toads or rabbits or anything. No, there, there's no witches. No, it's just a bunch of hysteria. Yeah. Possible grain-related hallucinations. I don't know. That one was actually written for the uh, about the the uh, uh, McCarthy uh, witch hunts in the fifties. Oh yeah, the Red, the Red Scare. Red Oh, so they're just yeah. paralleling that. That totally makes sense. Yeah, that's that's the allegory for the Crucible. It's the uh, the Red Scare. Wow, that 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 would have me looking at it through a very different lens, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a totally different movie. I don't know that I I knew that going in. I never. I'm not sure if I saw the movie, but I read the play in college, and but I going in, I knew it was a allegory for the the Red Scare and. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting not knowing that going in. Yeah. Well, well, the first couple times I've seen the movie, I didn't know that. So uh, seeing it again sometime in the future, I'll have to uh, let you know how it, how I take it differently. <laughs> yeah. How does that color that? Yeah. It might be worth watching a documentary about the whole McCarthyism and uh, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Damn. Well, that's, uh, I guess that's my mind blower for the day. Um, anything else about the movie before we kind of wrap it up? We're almost at that one hour mark. Any, Not much. It was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of them that's been on the list for a while. We finally got to see it and it looked pretty good. It didn't look like a, didn't look like a crappy old copy or anything like that. You know? No, it was, it was nice looking copy. good transfer good restoration something i didn't look to see if it was restored i kind of assume 
that they'd done some work on it. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Jolien, do you recommend this to uh, horror fans? Yep. It's, uh, it's just one of those key movies, you know, kicked off for subgenres and uh, caused a lot of stir. So it's, uh, it's a good uh, measure of where things were at that time. Definitely. Uh, yeah, beautifully, I'll agree with be- that. Beautifully shot and good cast, just chewing the scenery like Godzilla and... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I enjoy and, and the and the that final shot is just awesome. Yeah. No, we can't really say this is a proper horror movie, but it has so many of the elements that. Oh yeah. It it goes with quite well. Yeah, I, I've I've got a bunch of horror movie books, and like uh, most of them just ignore it, and uh, yeah. but a, a couple of them include it. Yeah, like the, people are actually expecting there to be you know, red horned devils with tails or, or, uh, you know, proper possession going on for real, or maybe yeah. a vampire or two, but none of that happens, but yeah. you don't need it really. Do you? It shows the horror of the 17th century. Yeah. Which I think would suck to have lived then. For sure. Oh yeah. They had a plague going on at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought of this. I thought of The Witch is about the same time period. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a good time in history. No. That final shot with all the bodies on the wheel mm-hmm. in the air. I mean, that's a fantastic shot, but a horrifying thing. Yeah. We can, we can say this was definitely a horror movie in a lot of other ways than having monsters. Or devils, yeah. literal devils in them. If you were pulling into Denver and they had bodies on big poles <laughs> outside, yeah, weird and awful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's bad enough some of the campaign signs you might see uh, on the outskirts of town, but uh, yeah, get into something like bodies on wheels. Forget it. I'm gonna go live somewhere else. Um, yeah, I would agree. You know, it's a recommend for horror fans. I think non-horror fans can't handle this at all. Um, you know, I think you kind of have to have some of that seasoning already done to you to be able to handle something like this. Yeah, if this was your first horror movie, it would be a bit much. (laughs) Or if you just like watching screwball comedies and documentaries and things and, you know, they're not about torture, then, yeah, it's going to be rough. So... Yeah, I would definitely steer the non-horror fans away from this one. Or, you know, just watch what happens to them when they see it. Yeah, if, if your Thanksgiving is going really badly. and you... Yeah. Hey, let's sit down and watch The Devils. Yeah, you guys are going to love it. It's a, when they finally get the turkey roasted and on the table. It happens later in the film. You, you know, you'll like it. It's going to be great. Um, mm, makes me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> The devil followed by blood rage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the perfect Thanksgiving combination. Um, The next pick is yours, Will. Have you thought of anything yet? Yeah, I was going to suggest maybe because it's been, I don't know, five years that we've been doing this. And we have talked about it, but we've never actually done an episode on Evil Dead. The Evil Uh, Dead. And I thought maybe we would do original versus remakes yeah we um, could do that 
because Evil Dead 2 was the remake and then Evil Dead 2013 was the remake. Yeah, listeners who don't um, know, Evil Dead 2 is just Evil Dead with money. <laughs> and laughs. More laughs. And laughs. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of physical comedy. and Unfortunately, they don't seem to be available. Hmm. Um, I, I've I don't got, know if that's a problem. I, I've got the originals. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've loaned out one or both of my copies of Evil Dead 2, but I can get them back pretty easily. And I think I have the original Evil Dead, but not the remake Evil Dead. And, uh, Jolien, you gave me a book, I think it's called The Evil Dead Compendium or Companion. Um, I just looked at that book recently, thought I should just crack that open and and dig back into it. Okay. It's a great idea, Will. Let's do it. All right. And then at some point in the near future, uh, we're going to have to uh, all get vaccinated so we could sit in front of a TV and watch uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like, what, about not even a week, week and a half out from now that they're going to release it on HBO. Yeah, I won't be able to see it. Yeah, I've I've got uh, HBO Max at my disposal, so we, if we can all go out and get our shots, then we can do it. All right. You put it on the big screen? I could if the weather permits. I mean... Yeah, of course. It's going to be 60 degrees by the end of the week. (laughs) That's the thing. If it could be anything above 60 and not windy, we can we can roll that screen down and do it. All right. We can all keep our distance. Yeah. We can all sit, you know, 10 feet apart. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody enters through a different door and, you know, we'll figure something out. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. Other than Godzilla versus Kong. So excited. <laughs> all right. Well, listeners... Thank you for listening. Stay out the more. Lodan in feestkledij, verbrand vandaag grandier. De stenen van de stad zeggen het voort. Het inkom geld is vrij en iedereen doet mee. Het buitenvolk verdringt zich voor de poort. Dit is een beste dag voor duivels en devotie. Dit is een beste dag, zo heeft men ze nog altijd graag. Dit is een beste dag voor feesten en emotie. Beste dag is het beslist vandaag, 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 Verbrand Grandier vandaag De spanning stijgt en stijgt van uur tot uur Voor boer en burgerij 
vraag. Ze wachten op de kermis van het vuur. Dit is een beste dag voor leven en begraven. Dit is een beste dag voor nieuwe hoed en feestjapon. Beste dag om dorstigen te laven. Luda verbrandt vandaag immers de zon, de zon, de zon, de zon. In feestkledij verbrandde men Grandier. De menigte slaat vlug een laatste kruis. Het schouwspel is voorbij, het weer viel heerlijk mee. Het buitenvolk rijdt langzaam weer. Not her.